Hi, you're listening to the Right About Now Poetry Podcast. My name is Davis Land, and today we are featuring Pages Matam. Pages is a Cameroonian artist, he's a right bloody author, Kalaloo Fellow, the 2014 National Poetry Slam Champion, and the winner of the Beltway Poetry Quarterly's Best New Book of 2014. He stopped by Right About Now a while back, and we are really excited to have him on the podcast today. What's going on, Houston, Texas? How y'all feeling tonight? This is a this is a wonderful, fantastic fucking space. Like I, I love this. I love the ambience here, and I love all the beautiful that are here. So yeah, all the beautiful people that are here. And uh, my name is Pages Matam. I am uh, from DC by way of Cameroon, Central Africa. That's where I was born, uh, raised between there and Europe. Before I moved out here, I teach students. I teach creative writing, performance, and theater as a form of healing and activism. Uh, and then uh, on top of being an artist and all that. But we're living in a world that's constantly telling us how much we ain't shit, how much we ain't gonna be shit, how much we don't mean nothing to nobody, how nobody's supposed to get love or deserve to get love. So uh, I decided to challenge that notion, to challenge all those paradigms and create a very necessary culture shift with the work that I'm doing, hoping that with every work that I do, with every poem that I perform and the way that I have dialogue with people and connect with people, that will remind you that you do have purpose, that you do deserve love, and that um, we are all very, very necessary people. So I hope that by the end of tonight, uh, with all of the poets that have graced this stage, by the end of my said i hope that everybody in here will leave out with a lot more love than what they came in with yeah so um so with that being said uh with that being said can everybody repeat after me say i celebrate me say i celebrate you say i celebrate us and on the count of three i need y'all to make as much noise as fucking possible for all this goddamn celebration we got going on right now make some noise one two three So when my then five-year-old son asked me, what did you want to be when you grew up? I was immediately shifted to a time in middle school when teachers would ask me this very same daring question. You know, ever since I was eight years old, I've always wanted to grow up to become a cigarette because it is the only thing that my father could never abandon. For as long as I can remember, I've always felt like a man constantly in reverse, like the backwash of a dream, like karma's favorite crash test dummy, constantly begging someone for all the love that they've already given me. See, I started drinking and being with women in order to fill up all of the potholes inside of my spirit, but drinking more absolute only made me more obsolete as I treated having the bodies, as I treated having the bodies of women like mirrors to try and convince myself that I was beautiful in the pleasures that I could give them. When I was 13, I first started building train tracks on my stomach, some on thighs to all the parts of me that I wish I could forget. But now all I'm left with is this vulgar smile stitched to a sense of humor, hiding the boy with the skin of a scarecrow because it's the only way that his corny heart can ward off all of the birds and the bees. The only thing that my father ever passed me, y'all, is this uncanny ability 
to hurt the people that we love the most. In a split second, I lost a woman that I thought I loved more than my third degree scars. The very next year, at a random doctor's visit, y'all, I found out that I was alcohol intolerant, that I've drunk so much over the years that liquor has become poisonous to my blood, so my very next shot could have well been my last. You know, God, he has a funny sense of humor took away the two things that I harbored on the most to teach me of real love and that women and liquor are not a cure to your loneliness. So where do you want to be when you grow up? I answered, I want to be a pediatrician, one that helps save and heal children, starting with the one within myself. But who would have known in the 15 years it took to write this poem that I would grow up to become a pediatrician, making a stethoscope out of a microphone, writing poems out like daily prescriptions, and turning the stage into a patient room for the healing of me to start within. Because when you are on the search for the divine inside of yourself, you're often led to the harsh realization that you've been more Rick James than First James, with built-in Fire escapes inside of your bones for all the times that you wanted to run away from the blaze inside of yourself. But what kind of legacy will I pass on to my son? Huh? Will I give him a legacy of just another black boy with hands like ashtrays for him to inherit the butts of his father's mistakes? See, I used to want to grow up to become a cigarette. Made sense because I'm a cancer, but there's no chemotherapy to my astronomy. Yet I still radiate like a sun that is afraid to shine, but always willing to give all of his light to save anybody's sunset, which is all with the excruciating reality that I do not want to die alone. So I tell him, son, you can grow up to be anything that you want. Just make sure to never end up nothing but just a small escape inside of a slow-burning pulse, kind of like a cigarette. Word. That was a poem that I submitted as part of a manuscript. And then, uh, yeah, so this is the book right here. It's called The Heart of a Comet. Uh, it is a collection of poems and short stories, and it reads like a novel. It has, like, characters and shit in it. And uh, I think it's really good, so you guys should get it. Uh, so, yeah, so I have that. Uh, this is the chat book that preceded it that was published by Sergeant Press. It's called God Circus. So, like, this is, like, the mixtape, and this is the album right here. So, like, yeah, that's how that works. And I'll and uh, yeah, so I'm going to get on and do a uh, couple more poems for y'all. Y'all feeling good? Yeah? Well, 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 yo, make some noise for right about now, y'all. Like, for being such a dope venue and allowing this wonderful space to flourish. Like, like this shit is ill. Uh, so, so thank you so much uh, for allowing me to be here and share y'all space. Uh, so this next piece I'm going to do, uh, it's a piece uh, uh, about my son uh, and... Uh, and uh, he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's seven now, and uh, he's, like, at that age, <laughs> he's at that age where he thinks that he's, like, running shit, because he's, like, he's so fucking smart and, like, talented and, like, just an awesome fucking human being, but, like, I, I, sometimes I just look at him and I'm, like, bruh, like, you don't pay bills, what are you doing? Um, no. <laughs> so, like, and then, you know, I just had to humble him real quick playing some Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3, so it's whatever. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm not one of those type of parents that lets the child win just because you're a child. No, fuck that. Learn humility. Like, get better, get better, and then maybe whoop my ass 20 years from now. Maybe. Maybe. Like, nah, fuck that. Fuck that. So that's how motherfuckers get all egotistical and shit. Uh, so, um, yeah, so this, this piece is about him and uh, how he's... Uh, He's, uh, he's kind of reframed so much about the way that I think about family uh, and how he's really, really 
uh, been such a healing source for me in my journey in, in becoming uh, not just a better father, but a better person in general. So uh, this piece, the title of this piece is also the first line of the poem. <clears throat> you do not bear my last name. My blood does not ring in your veins. The only background we share is of fathers who never came back to ground us. Your mother gave you the last name Jackson after your great-grandfather. He was a bricklayer. That means that your last name is foundation. Your last name is a means for construction. People will teach you how to destroy before ever showing you how to build. I never took the title of stepfather but only took to stepping up to the plate after your mother was dined on and skipped out on the bill of fatherhood. Your birth was a reluctant chore that your father would not inherit. My last name, Madame, it means ball. That means that my last name is bravery or a tool for games. How my ancestors hid such a meaning as if they knew that my father would never have the balls to play his part. I inherited my father's inadequacy. My father... He gave me O-type blood, a reluctant inheritance. I hold the world in my veins just as strongly as I do a lifetime of questions, a history of addiction, and of treating women like tools for games. But there were nights that I held you, like the attempt to right my father's wrongs, like the right choice, like a proud last name. So as the father to you that I learned to be, these are my most sacred rules of living. In lieu of emergency, break this from the glass case of your heart. Use its contents like an axe to break free from all reckless decisions. One. Bear hugs will become more like bear traps in a forest of unkept promises. Do not turn a lover into prey for feasts. Your name is not a hunter. You are not a dirty dish. Two, understand that you are only as strong as the women that stand by you. Their love can easily be blueprint or wolf's howl. Your name is foundation. Three, making love is stepping on a landmine, promising with heartbeats to never lift your feet until you truly understand the meaning of exploding into one another. Four, you're a beautiful black boy. I love you, black boy. You are beautiful, black boy. Your name is bravery. Would Joseph still be a man if he had decided to not raise Jesus? How selfish of me to not nurture the God in you first. I found my purpose in you. Your lifetime of questions answered. Calling you my son is a beautiful construction shining from my mouth. Your name is not a surrender. It is not shame. It is not a lonely refuge for pity or an accident. You were not a fucking accident in the first moments of connecting eyes. I knew that I could never give up on you. So become your own molded testament. Let the actions of your hands be more than just a well-tuned apology that will always be stronger than any last name. Word. But let me do this poem. It's some new shit. So this piece is entitled uh, The Etymology of African American. <clears throat> Johnny Bravo, Dexter's Laboratory, and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Were some of the best English teachers a francophone immigrant like me could ever have. <laughs> Their curriculum riddled in laughter, impossible exploits, and the daunting task of saving the world from the aliens. My accent. My accent is a Saturday morning cartoon. It often riddled others with laughter. 
Coiling into a language not its own was an impossible exploit. Trying to transform into something powerful enough to save everyone else from the alien and the shame that came from being made to feel so different that my accent, my culture, my breath was too unreal and did not deserve to be so animated. One, my last name is an inflection on Suicide Watch. A part of me may die if I don't learn how to raise my voice properly in my culture. I found out that my last name can actually mean three different things. Matam means ball. Matam means fufu. Matam means a place of refuge. That means that my last name is a Sunday meal with family, a game best played with those you love. It is holy ground, a church, or my mother's hands. But even with so many ways to escape, I still rather suffocate in the five-letter shame of a difficult American pronunciation. My first name, my first name is colonization a sacrifice, blood offering to my identity, asking forgiveness for the oppression, stumbling its way into my mouth. As a child, I would ask my mother, Patrick, why did you give me this first name? She would reply, it was your father's doing. Ironic, it carries both his emptiness and his guilt, too. In school, I spent a lot more time learning about other people's names rather than the ones closer to my own. So then I came to realize so much about the color of etymology, the crossroads of identities, and being sometimes too black for Africans or too African for blacks, but all meaningless in America with a name that has never belonged to me when Amadou Diallo is Trayvon Martin, is Mike Brown, is Renisha McBride, is Rakia Boyd, all shades of Ferguson. Bullets and injustice are not colorblind with a name that has never belonged to you because when they hear names like Patrick or David or Catherine, what they hear is grace, class, intellect, a comforting assimilation, a name that will make the weeding of teeth easier. But names like Shaniqua, Olubowale, Daquan, Marquez, for black and brown children, what they hear is illegal, poor, uneducated. What is your vertical reach? What is your vertical reach and running speed? How quickly can you dodge a bullet or catch a charge? How every time these names are said, it is a crashing wave of go back where you came from. Three. In the West, in the West, our names become exotic. Our parents change our names so that we can finally belong to a history we have always been pushed out of. But I want my next child to have a name made out of the same Cameroonian red clay that I was made in. A name dressed as a thunderous melody, not a lazy tattered rag of a sigh, but a commitment of praise to a Leon and Domtab. A name that will make a throat swell into a song or a nation or an ocean I chose the name Pages, so that I could finally write my own story. It is the only name that I have ever owned, a holy temple built on every tongue which utters its red clay. It is where I go to worship the salvation that I'm finally learning how to become. You can find more about Pages at pagesmatom.com, where you can also pick up a copy of his book and watch some videos.
very uh, <laughs> interesting piece uh, because I um, <laughs> it is a piece where I embody um, the voice and personality of a serial killer. And uh, yeah, yeah, again, it's going, it's it's about to get like super real. So like, yeah, and uh, this poem. There's a bigger commentary, so like I will really, really. Uh, uh, well, first I'm gonna say viewer. Well, actually, auditory discretion is advised. Um, but then uh, I'm gonna also say just uh, there's a bigger commentary that's happening within the poem that you really have to pay attention to. Um, and uh, I personally, I enjoy the poem. I don't do it often because it takes a lot of energy out of me. So uh, I had to practice and get myself together today to be able to do this piece. So. Uh, where Safi, this is all you, son. This is for you. This is for you because I love you. It's for you, uh, even though he asked me to do a completely terrifying ass poem. So, uh, Fuck you. Pay me! Um, <clears throat> nickels. Alright. Father, did you remember that night when you found me under the bed? A rainbow. How in your drunken folly you broke me to pieces. Beat every vibrant color out of my chest to remind me, ain't gonna be no faggots in this house, boy. When I finally pieced myself back together, I was no longer John Wayne Gacy, but Pogo, a clown. You know, the heart is a fickle monster, I tell you, and all comedy comes from a dark place, but beneath this smiling mask is the face of a depraved man child. Prairie ghost of Edgewater, a monster too afraid to hide under the bed or in the closet. So I hid in plain sight. <laughs> hey kids, don't you want to know what a rainbow looks like? Guess what your favorite clown is to do, huh? Have to find love in men's magazines and make rainbows out of all those young boys. Just like how you taught me, father. You're berating abuse to your wife and children. One soundtrack to my orgasms with Gregory, Robert, John, and 30 others that are buried in the crawl space like vibrant colors broken into pieces. And then, and then I stuffed their mouths with their own underwear so they could taste my lonely in their chorus of moans. And then, and then I covered their bodies with lime like I was tucking them in at night. Look, look, look at me, Dad. I've got all the attention in the world. Everyone hates me for what I've become when all I wanted was for you to love me for who I am. But rainbows are just monsters from under the bed that bleed in technicolor. You claim to be such a God-fearing of a man. I was just following in our Catholic footsteps. Their bodies and blood were a pedophile's communion. Is it mere coincidence that the son of man met his end after 33 years and I met mine after 33 victims to then be crucified by lethal injection? Did the police ever tell you? <laughs> 
of the ones that I hid under my bed at night. The sound of their rotting flesh was like a lullaby to my dreams. It smelled like 17 again. It smelled like a fist fight with mother. It smelled like a fickle monster birthed from the hypocrisy of the society where we are more afraid of our children growing up gay than growing up to become serial killers. Maybe we are all just 23 chromosomes away from giving birth to a murderer of father. Happy clowns do not exist in this world. My legacy will forever linger in our Gacy name. Your reflection will look like my ghost and then everyone, <laughs> everyone will know exactly what a rainbow looks like. So, like, how many people in here were kind of pissed off when they said that Pluto is no longer a planet? Yeah, that was the thing. So, it recently got reinstated, right? Yeah, so, like, but Pluto was always a planet to me, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, they were like, oh, Pluto is too small to be a planet. It's actually a dwarf planet. And I'm like, that's fucked up. It's like saying a short person is too small to be human. That's stupid. So, uh, I wrote this haiku uh, in the voice of Pluto, and it's entitled The Warning, and it goes like this. Ahem, <laughs> Dear Sister Neptune, please watch her back, for they may come after you next. Thank you. Uh, so this next couple of haikus that I'm going to do, uh, they're actually called um, Drake coups. Uh, uh, these are haikus about uh, ex-girlfriends and being in my feelings and shit. Uh, so just so just imagine that there's like a Drake song happening in the back, just, you know, cups of that rosé, and like it's just happening. Uh, so yeah, so I... I've been trying to do this series for a while now, and I finally, you know, one day I was just vacuuming, and then Drake came on, and for some reason I just found myself all in my fields while vacuuming. Just so, yeah. So I'm gonna do a couple of Drake coups for y'all. Uh, so Drake coup number 48. <clears throat> this one is entitled "Lessons I Learned from Loving You." The same flame that keeps a lover warm is the same burning down our home. Dracu number, yeah, I'm going to do this one. Dracu number 18. Uh, it's entitled Speaking Love Languages. <clears throat> I'm fluent in four languages. I still want to make your skin my fifth. <laughs> you guys are nasty. Uh, Dracu number 26. Uh, this one is a palindrome haiku. Y'all know what a palindrome is? So, like, it reads the same way backwards and forwards. Yeah, so, like, y'all, y'all guys, but I get deep, son. So, like, took me, like, a long time to come up with this one. This shit was hard as fuck. Uh, so I, I hope y'all like I would challenge everybody in here to try to write a palindrome haiku. I hope y'all like it. If you don't, whatever. I was in my feelings, so, yeah. Uh, this one is entitled Runaway Like a Runaway Train. Um, so, yeah. Runaway lovers made past rough since rough past made lovers runaway. I'm going to do the thing backwards. It is going to be the same shit. Runaway lovers made past rough since rough past made lovers runaway. Boom. That's it. All right. One last haiku. Uh, it's about two of my favorite things, gummy bears and sexy time. Um, uh, this is, this is, this is, a, it's a, yeah, yeah, it is the same. So, uh, yeah, so this one is entitled Gummy Love. 
And, and it goes like this. <laughs> Making love is like eating gummy bears. Start with head, then do the rest. Thank you. Real shit, son. Real shit. Uh, word. When I say spoken, y'all say word spoken. Spoken. When I say to be, y'all say heard to be. To be. Word up. Important things to know before attempting to date an African or how to properly cook rice. <clears throat> One, you must cook the rice. Two, Africans like to speak in metaphors, especially with their often very rude and problematic prejudice. Yo, true story. I remember once I was trying to bring home my Cambodian girlfriend, and my mom turns to me and says, eh So you want to bring me home a fortune cookie? Horrible. Three, whether we're three feet or 300 feet from you, we are always megaphone parade loud. Our voices project like a howling typhoon filled with all of the anger and plight of all of Africa. Whispering is as foreign as we are. Our voices molded in accented thunder, probably because for so long, history only shamed us into silence. Four, you must cook rice. Five, at one point in life, we were all supposed to be doctors or lawyers. If you ever meet the parents, make sure you uphold this. Do not give them a reason, reminder of how insert less than stellar six-figure paying profession here does not pay the bills. And we do not send you to America to become Cameroonian Shakespeare, sag your pants, listen to that Jay-Z stuff, or make babies with their women. Six. Don't call it soccer, call it football. Real Madrid versus Barcelona, the Coupe d'Afrique. When the World Cup is in progress, nothing else fucking matters. Nothing. Seven, you must cook rice. Eight, Africans have no concept of time. For it to meet at 10 a.m., it really means 1 p.m. Make sure you plan everything at least three hours in advance. Nine, all weddings, parties, and gatherings involving any sort of music last for at least three days. Probably because everybody showed up the fuck late. But you will dance until you grow blisters on your feet the size of African liberation. We dance and we dance and we dance because we understand that music is the undying essence of freedom. Ten. Despite the ugly shade of calculated misfortune, the drag of empty railing from our eyes, we are more than just HIV commercials, more than just for 20 cents a day you could feed this hungry caricature, more than just the countries that make us. Yo, Africa is not a fucking country. It is a continent, and we are more than just a grain drop in colonization's pot with the flame of guilt swaying under. But like my mama always said, Si tu ne peux rien d'autre préparer, il faut moins faire du riz. If you cannot cook anything else, you must cook rice. Thank y'all so much, Houston. This has been right about now. I thank y'all so much for being here. Thank y'all for the support. Thank y'all for the love. Again, Texas has been fucking fantastic. Shout out to Wham. And um, yeah. Again, that was Pages Matam here on Right About Now. 
You can find Right About Now as at Juan Poetry on pretty much any social network. You can also subscribe to Right About Now on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Share it with your friends, leave ratings, comments, all that stuff. It's super awesome and we love to have your feedback. You can find me, Davis Land, at davisland.info. And as always, thanks to WCAI in Woods Hole, Massachusetts for letting me use their studios to record this. See you next time.